Hello and welcome back to The Catch. Today on the podcast, we have John Nurhimi, David McCormick, and Michael Adams. We're happy to have you guys listening. John and David, how are you guys doing over there? So good. Splendid. Ooh, good word choice. Like Thank that. you. <laughs> Fabulous. You know, David's a senior in college. He has a very, very <laughs> wide vocabulary now after all those years of formation at the University of Illinois. My vocabulary is very big and good. <laughs> His vocabulary is infinitely expanding as he as he grows. It's beautiful. I'm so happy to see him. I was talking to your sister Dave the other day, and we were just so joyful to see like you're about to graduate. That's freaking awesome. You know, you're just starting your last semester. It's beautiful. It is. It's also kind of spooky, to be honest. <laughs> um, I I can, like I remember like two years ago, John, when you were like, "Oh, I only have one semester left. It's so weird." And Michael, you last year, and I was like, "Haha, losers." <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really exciting, but at the same time it has not really settled in yet that yeah there's only a few months left that's fair yeah it shouldn't you should take your take your time with it enjoy it it's good yeah so michael's in texas david you're at u of i again and i'm in quarantine (laughs) so that's fun (laughs) three great locations yeah literally like we finished the first week of uh of classes and then on on friday there was a, a discernment retreat called exploring priesthood weekend which i did when i was in college and i was discerning so we had like 14 guys show up, which was awesome. I was like, no way. This is amazing. There were like three guys when I did it. So it was really cool to have all these guys and I was helping lead it. Um, we had the first night. It was awesome. Gave a good, we gave a good reflection for them. One of the priests uh, gave a little intro talk and then we had a little pizza social. We were all just hanging out, having a good time and it was a wonderful night. And then the next morning we were you know, doing some, some more prayer and some talks from the seminarians. And then I go back to my room at a break and I look at my email and it's just like, hey, one of the other seminarians emailed me. He's like, hey, dude, uh, by the way, I just tested positive for COVID. And I know we were talking last night, so you need to go into quarantine. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So they canceled the whole discernment retreat because like I was with all these guys and then I was with the other leaders and they just sent everyone home. It was just like a total nightmare. And now like half the seminary is in quarantine. And it's like falling apart at the rim here after one week. John, do you know how like the seminarians, you know how they have like the cards that they yeah. send out? Yeah. I think we should put stats on the back. And for years, you could put like one discernment retreat canceled. Yeah. I know <laughs> oh, where it is. <laughs> yeah. I never gave this to anyone. I got new ones and I was like, should I send out new ones? It felt kind of weird. So I didn't, but that'd be kind of cool. I like that little stats. <laughs> canceled a whole retreat by himself. Yeah. And Michael, I heard you went horseback riding. Is this true? How did you know that? I talked to Katie. Oh, I was like, wait a second. How did I you know everything really about your life. I was like, I haven't told anyone except like my parents that I went horseback riding. This man goes to Texas for one week. I know. <laughs> goes full cowboy. Let's yeah, just put it seriously. that way. Uh, the only thing I'm missing right now is the cowboy hat. I have, mm. I, have the, I have the boots. I have the Wrangler jeans. I have the flannel. Do you have the belt buckle though? I do have the belt buckle. I have, I have four belt buckles at the moment. I started collecting those though while I was in college. Still, uh, oh really? I, I used to. You wear had them on your desk. Yeah, I, I did. What? Yeah. Thanks was, for sharing. I, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know if I had them while you were there. It might have just been more of a senior year thing. Either way, I started getting belt buckles though. I'd wear them to concerts or I'd wear them um, out to the local uh, restaurants mm. um, for social gatherings and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I, I forgot them though in Illinois, which is ironic because if I had them in Texas, it'd be way better. And I never use them at home. So uh, <laughs> I'm kind of 
inept right here, but horseback riding was a ton of fun. Katie did say I looked like a natural. Ooh. I don't know if that Ooh. says anything. She said I look like a natural. Yeah, I don't, so. does she know anything about horseback riding? I, 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 was about to ask, I was about to ask her qualifications. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was also her first time. So I don't know they were, I don't know if she's one to trust. Um, but yeah, horseback riding was fun. The horse I had was named Champ. Nice. He was a big boy, a nice tawny brown. Uh, we had a good relationship. At one oh. point, it was really interesting. Like, <laughs> if your horse gets scared, like you're supposed to like, lean over and pet them. And me and Champ shared a really intimate moment one time when he started. Uh, he started running away from another horse. Uh, there's this one horse that was I called it Beefcake. Its real name was Bell. It was far too large to have a human on. It was far too out of shape and fat. Um, oh man. It was really unfortunate, but my horse was scared of that one. So at one point it started running really fast and I had to just like lean over and just pet its mane, just pet its neck until it calmed down. And I was like, I feel like such a horse whisperer right now. This is the first time I've ever interacted with a horse, but it was a very interesting experience. Um, I feel bad for Katie. She got stuck in the very front and had to, mm. she had to take the blunt of most of our guide. Um, and our guide was very sweet, very kind, but was very uh, conversational. And mm. so I think Katie had a lot of really interesting conversations that day about each other's lives where my side, I was in the very back and I just got to enjoy like a very peaceful, quiet ride. Yeah. You're just back there whispering to champ. It's okay, little buddy. Yeah. You just keep on galloping. <laughs> Do you get to gallop actually? I did. So what happened was uh, we were, we walked majority of the time. Um, at one point we were able to kind of do like a little jog, mm -hmm. uh, just kind of like a little half gallop. Like canter. I think trot. Was, yeah, we did trot. That's what it is, David. That's what it is. There you go. There you go. David's a horse. David knows um, his horse stuff. What can I say? Trot. The trot, very uncomfortable. Um, my butt was very sore the next day. Mm. But at one point, again, beefcake scared Champ. And so Champ started going full canter, full sprint. And it felt incredible. Uh, it was a really unique feeling. But again, it only lasted for like two seconds. And that was the only sprinting that I did. And I would have loved to have done more. Nice. Like that. That's incredible. I was also just um, fully prepared to fall off. I was like, if I do, I do. It, it just happens. That's how it goes. I'm just gonna get out ahead of ahead of this story. The only time I went horseback riding, like I was in Mexico and I was like three years old, and my parents took Christina and I horseback riding, and mm. she did really well, and I cried and had to get oh. taken off the horse. Oh. <laughs> so I'm also a natural, some might say, um, but I just wanted to get ahead of that because if she listens to this, she would probably text you guys. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, I think I rode a horse once. My uh, my aunt's parents had like a little horse stable at their house, and we got on it, and I was off it in like three seconds. Not because I cried, but because it like kind of bumped me off. So little little John was like ah! <laughs> a little popcorn right there. Yeah, like really, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a little kernel. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I didn't share this with you guys. Okay, so the last, um, I think it was the last full day, no, second to last day that I was at the the parish before I came back to seminary. I was cleaning up everything, cleaning my room, and like deep cleaning it so that the seminarian who was going to come and and live in that room would you know have a nice place to come back to. Um, so I was cleaning the bathroom and, you know, putting the, whatever you call it, stuff that you put in the toilet bowl to clean it. Toilet bowl cleaner. cleaner. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, and I was doing all that, cleaning it all up. It was beautifully sparkling clean. And I go to flush it down the toilet and it was like, wasn't going. I was like, this is weird. So I kept like pushing it harder. <laughs> like this will finally like, you know, just it's stuck. And then I heard a snap and then I fell back. And I was like, uh Oh, I took the lid off the toilet and I had broken the, like there's a lever that goes from like the handle yeah. to the the pump thing 
and then it, it snapped in half. So there's nothing to like, so I'd like pull it up to like flush it, which is gross. So then began what was a four hour endeavor to fix this freaking toilet. So me and the other seven here and Kevin who were living there, we go to Ace Hardware, we, we pick up a new like uh, handle thing with a lever on it. We're like, okay, this would fine. It's very easy to put in. We put it in and then like it does a 720 as we try to flush it. So it doesn't like just, you know, click. It's like, okay, this one didn't work. So we go back there, buy another one. The other one doesn't work. I'm like, this is ridiculous. What's going on? So then we find out that there's a rubber seal on the bottom of the pump that is old and broken. So we need to buy a new one. So we go back to Ace Hardware. And at this point, I, Kevin's like, I'm done with this. You go do it yourself. And I was like, all right, fine. So I show up to Ace Hardware and the lady who had seen me, this is all in like the course of an hour and a half. And I go back in, she looks at me and goes, do you, do you looking for something? I was like, I know where to go. Don't worry. So walk back, go back to my toilet section, come back up. And she's like, is everything okay? And I was like, it's been a long day. And eventually we fixed it and it's all better now. The toilet works great, but it was just like... I was appreciative of that lady. She felt my, my pain and suffering with freaking toilet. John, I didn't realize that they were putting you such a through such a rigorous workout schedule at the seminary where you've just gotten yoked in the past six months. What are you talking about? Uh, you're too strong for the toilet. You just snapped it. Yeah. Pure muscle, just pure wrist strength, pure hand strength. I don't know what they're putting you through over there, but uh, David and I, I would type in, appreciate Typing papers and flipping that. pages. Yeah. <laughs> He crashed straight through the porcelain, and then you're and then you're working, uh, and then also you're, you know making multiple trips to Ace Hardware. That's cardio right there. Yeah, I did feel like an adult doing that, like you know having to go to the store and fix things. I feel like a real dad. You're like, oh, you know, this piece didn't work, and I need this other thing now. And you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Oh, real quick, a move. I did. Um, I did a construction yesterday. Um, I got back to school and our coat hand we had this like thing for coat hooks and it had just been like sitting there for like two months so i was like oh you know what? i'm just gonna like i need i don't want to like hang on my coat in my room i'm just gonna put it up right now and there was one nail on the wall and then there was not the other one and it was just drywall so we couldn't like we didn't have any nails we were trying to like nail and screws because mm-hmm. that's what i was doing but nail like it screws. was <laughs> i know but like that's what we had um i was like i just need to get something solid but it was like just drywall so you couldn't anything like too big it would just crumble around it mm-hmm. so i found a thumbtack and i like nailed in the thumbtack and it worked but now it's super crooked but i don't want to go back and refix it um so I, i'll have to send you guys a video by the video of me holding a hammer playing the home depot song um and i will treasure it forever wait what's the home depot song like that dan 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 dan, dan. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. yeah i know you're talking about yeah. okay home depot nice. just decided to make the greatest slapper of an anthem I've here ever at the heard. home depot yeah yeah okay I know what you're talking about. nice yeah wow michael any construction projects for you <laughs> <laughs> no none on the agenda hopefully for the near future it's okay i'll text mirin tell her to break something so you can yeah. fix it i did help them change a couple lights that's about hey, it that's, it's, that's why tall people exist that's the only reason <laughs> I have, no other per- I have no other purpose Biblical. in this world. <laughs> My friend, uh, you know, Charlie? Yeah, so his mom told Joe Hinder that that's why he existed because he's so freaking tall and all of them are really short people and they can never fix the light bulbs in their house. Whenever he would come over, she, I have like 10 light bulbs for you to change. She would just walk around the house changing light bulbs and we would go hang out. It was great. Hey, there's no problem with that. We, we're just here to help. Tall people help. That's right. It's good business. Yeah, it is. So uh, 12 minutes into us digressing. <laughs> Enter. Say have... 
hard segue. Um, I actually had a segue earlier when we were talking about horses, but uh, we digressed from horses and I lost my segue. So I'm just going for it. Um, <laughs> essentially, the state of the world right now, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we're actually recording this the day before the inauguration of Biden, which again, tomorrow? that is tomorrow. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, so again, just a lot of unrest, I think, in the country right now. And a lot of people are looking for direction on both ends of the spectrum and not to take sides or anything. Um, but I know in the past three weeks specifically, ever since everything's kind of been finalized, there's been a lot of unrest on every possible spectrum of polit political beliefs. Uh, and something that I kind of have a sense of is just everyone is searching for someone to guide them. They're, they're searching for some sort of guide, someone to tell them it's going to be okay, someone to kind of give them a preview of the future and say, look, everything turns out fine. Uh, you know, like at the end of 2020, everyone's like, okay, like 2020 is almost over. Like whoopee, 2021 is going to be so much better. And then 21, 2021 happened. It's like, oh my gosh, uh, I don't know if it's any better. Actually, the world <laughs> hasn't changed. Um, and so I think everyone's just kind of at this period of restlessness and distrust with each other, with government with officials every everything in between i took this to prayer a couple of weeks ago and just feeling my own unrest and my own anxieties about the future of the country the future of all of these various movements that i support and namely um the pro-life movement and just kind of nerves that coincide with that right now with me and i just kind of was took this to prayer and just wanted to see what the lord would say about it and something that really struck me was this idea of god the father and um being the shepherd um, and I just kind of felt like the United States as a whole is kind of this giant flock right now and we're all just kind of running aimlessly trying to find something to latch on to trying to find some sort of direction to take with our lives or to to see where the country or where ourselves where culture and society will be going but again right now none of us have any direction and we just feel like we're running loosely like chickens with their head cut off um, but in reality we do have that guidance and we do have that leader through God the Father and he offers to be the shepherd and offers to actually lead us in these times of unrest and bring us that peace and consolation that we're all desiring that we're all seeking and it came to this conclusion of we're all seeking to see this out of a political official uh, most of the country is looking for a political official to stand up and or a horse whisperer you know or yeah. <laughs> um, is looking we're all looking for this one person in the world who's going to stand up and just fix everything for us um is going to find finally bring us that peace that we all desire but in reality no matter what side we're on that's not going to happen um no human is ever going to be able to bring us that peace that we're searching for at the moment so just kind of riffing with that and riffing with that in prayer just led me to this idea of God as the shepherd and being that leader and being that guiding force in our lives and just really acknowledging that and coming to peace with that we have that already and that we don't need to actually search for that in another human per se. Yeah. Do either of you have any thoughts on that initially? The best I can offer you is a quick sports metaphor. Um, I, I think just like as... I've been now a little bit older and, you know, you see a little bit more progression of sports teams. Um, I, I kind of drawing the comparison of like um, a little bit of like putting like your faith, you see like some teams that fire their coach every two years, you know, and the new guy comes along and the entire fan base is like, this is going to be the guy who's going to solve everything. Mm. And they don't question why the last eight guys haven't worked out. So that's just a little bit of like what I thought in a way less serious context of like putting all your, putting all your blind hope in to someone like who's mortal and like 
you're taking all these all, all this hope and you think just one person's going to solve everything and a lot of times you neglect personal problems or like underlying problems as well that's my sports yeah. metaphor i like that that's really good because you see the same kind of like uh reactions uh it's like vitriol and anger and just like i mean look at the chicago tribune i mean they don't fire their coach every two years but it's the same kind of thing like they put all their hope and it's like they get ticked off and just outraged every single Sunday. It's like, just calm down. Why is this, why is this such a big deal to you? Like, why do you think that if you like write this, something's going to like magically change and like, you're going to like, we're going to get the coach that's going to fix everything. It's like, okay, chill out, dude. Anyways. Um, in this photo and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, Mike, I think it's good. Like the, we have two beautiful uh, images of this in the scripture psalm 23 in the old testament which is the lord is my shepherd right which is just a beautiful my beautiful passage psalm. really mm-hmm. it is nice okay ever since i was in high school for whatever reason oh really that's cool yeah. i didn't know that um yeah the uh psalm 23 and then john 10 is jesus says i am the good shepherd right so i think what you're saying right like we get a we have god the father who wants to you know watch over his flock his creation and he does that precisely in the, in the person, in the true human person of Jesus Christ. So it's cool. It's like, we look for it. We're looking kind of in the right place, I guess, you know, like, it's like, I, there's a desire for like someone to lead us. And I think, like, well, maybe a human will do that. It's like, well, the perfect human who is God incarnate will, will be able to do that as Jesus is the good shepherd and he's a true, true person. So yeah, I think we can riff on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. And it kind of reminds me right there, John, of a podcast we did a couple weeks ago on the incarnation of, mm-hmm. you know, why would God become man? And, you know, why was, why was that necessary? And again, it's kind of a perfect example right now of all this unrest. And again, we are looking for a person, yeah. human to step up and be that guiding light to us. But again, we have Jesus Christ as that guiding light, as that person we can look to. But oftentimes, I think we just ignore that and we kind of put the blinders on and just only see the limited view of the world that we're capable of seeing right now, which is all of the unrest and all of the division. Yeah. And Michael, you just saying that that's like, I think sometimes like when we think of that or like we're looking for that leader, we're looking for that person, like, so we can, so they can give us what we want. Um, And I know like, I kind of been thinking of like, why was Jesus so rejected um, when he came? Like, why did the Pharisees reject him? Is like, we have to be careful. Like when we're thinking, you're thinking of this great leader, whether it's like religious or political, like with this person in charge, I will then like get what I want. Um, And I know that's something that I've kind of had to think about a little bit. um, Is that like, yes, why some things that Jesus said, why are they so controversial? And looking back now, it's easier to see it, but like, um, in practical areas of my life, like, can you actually let go of those things he's telling you to let go of? Yeah, I'm going to get back on my soapbox that I usually get on, but receptivity, right? It's, I think it's essential to this, like, as a, as a sheep, like, the sheep are very docile, right? They just kind of, just kind of follow the shepherd around. But like, we, as humans, who are the sheep, we're very like, no, this is what I envision. Um, and we have our own uh, ideas in mind and what we want to get out of things. Um, so like in Psalm 23, when the psalmist says, uh, in green pastures, he makes me lie down to still waters. He leads me. Um, we might have this grand vision of what that's going to look like and what that's going to do to my soul and how that's going to make me feel. And then when we show up, it's like, uh, 
this was not what I expected because my vision is different than the Lord's vision. Um, and that comes from a heart where like, where I'm very like individually self-reliant and self-willed. It's like, this is what I've envisioned and I want that. And that happened when the Lord shows us what he's, what he's offering. It can be kind of jolting and be like, Oh, I don't, I don't want this. And you start looking around and kind of in this frantic panic and the desire to remain with the flock and the desire to remain with the Lord, the shepherd um, diminishes greatly and desires to then run off on your own and be like, I'm just, you know, I can figure this out. You know, I don't need the shepherd to kind of guide me or protect me. So uh, what happens is the wolves come and they gobble you up. So danger. Yeah. John, I, isn't it kind of crazy to think that like he, he's calling us to be sheep and like society as a whole, like we kind of think like sheep is almost used as an insult. Have you guys ever thought about it? Like, have you ever heard where someone's like, yeah, you guys are all just like sheep or like wake up sheep. And like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like you guys are just blindly following stuff. Like everyone is sheep. Um, Sometimes it's a joke, but like maybe not super commonly used, but um, I've heard it used as an insult. So it's kind of weird for me to think of like, um, we're called to be sheep and we are called to just like listen for our shepherd and follow him. Um, It's like wherever he's leading us. And I don't know about you guys like that totally like, you know, you want to feel like I'm a big, strong, manly man. I'm not a little cute, fluffy sheep who, who's relying on a shepherd. So it's kind of interesting, though, like something that he's calling us to be um, a lot of times society has kind of like been defining as an insult. Mm. With, with sheep, though, too, you have to think of what are you putting your faith in? You know, that's what I'm kind of thinking about right now. And what I was thinking about in prayer is, you know, what is the world putting our faith in? Like, who is the shepherd you're putting your faith in and through like the corruption of man and the corruption of every human on the face of the earth right now, anyone that we're putting our true faith in is bound to lead us somewhere that is not perfectly in alignment with where God is trying to lead us just because of humanity being imperfect. Um, but again, if we are sheep and we're sheep in the Lord's flock, we can trust that we have a perfect leader that we have someone will we have someone that we can confidently give our trust to and confidently know that they're not going to lead us astray. And it kind of leads me, John, when you're saying, um, I think it was in green pastures, I lay down and Mm -hmm. he leads me to waters, all those good things. Again, we look to the creator, we look to God and we see if we trust in him as our leader and trust in him as our shepherd, he's bound to take us those to those places Maybe not in the paths that we know, but in paths that he knows more perfectly. Um, whereas in today's world, any shepherd that we put our faith in might lead us to places that we think our fulfillment might lead us to good places in nature, um, but not in the ways of which God as the shepherd would want to. It's interesting because um, what you just said there, we think like, oh, this, this might be, you know, kind of what's, what's going to fulfill me. And then we see the shepherd, what does he have? He's the shepherd's crook. Um, and in the Psalm, it's the the staff and the rod. I don't know about you, but a rod sounds like something you hit someone with. Like that's yeah. why I just, there's a rod, like you just, you know, get them back in line and the staff is meant to like bring them back in. Um, but what does it say? It says that, um, where's the line? Oh, here it is. Uh, your rod and your staff comfort me, which just seems like very paradoxical. It's like, how is that comforting to know that I'm going to get like hit and back in line being dragged back in? Like I'm just stuck in this, this flock. 
Um, but I think it is actually really comforting. The image I had with this, this is over the summer actually, was imagine like being led to this beautiful pasture along the side of um, a cliff. It's actually, <laughs> it ties back to our last podcast because this is what this is the way to the, the Panda Village in Kung Fu Panda 3. Is <laughs> they scale this really rocky like cliff and then they get to the beautiful green pastures. Anyways, I digress. But the point <laughs> is, uh, is that on that cliff, like you would want to be brought back in line to be saved from falling off or being um, let out into the wild where you could be hurt or uh, killed. So that knowing that there's a staff and a rod that is there to save me and protect me from danger and harm and death is actually extremely comforting. Because it's like when you actually understand the stakes um, that are on the line, then it's like that shifts your perspective instead of saying like, you know, I'm totally fine. I'm invincible. It's like, actually, I'm not. And there's, um, there's a lot on the line for me. And to know that there's a Lord and a shepherd who is going to watch over and protect me and is constantly watching over and protecting me and will lay his life down for me. Unlike the people in my life who are no offense to everyone who's in my life, but like we're frail humans and we let each other down all the time. So uh, that's a great comfort. Yeah, John, that kind of reminds me of like, I was, I was talking to my dad a couple weeks ago. Um, we were talking about like how sometimes Christianity, like it can kind of turn people off because they think it's all like restrictive. Actually, you were there. Now that I think about it, you were there. Oh, okay. um, and, well, you remember you were saying like, um, you were talking to like someone and they felt like Christianity was being like really restrictive and like a bunch of no's. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah. And he was kind of saying, it's kind of like you're, it's kind of like the rail at the end of a cliff. Like it's saving you from falling off, but actually you have the freedom to move within right. it. I yeah. kind of think of the same thing as you were saying with the shepherd yeah. that like, you might think like, oh, this, like this shepherd is being really restrictive. He's stopping you from wearing to go, but actually mm -hmm. he knows what the right path is and he's keeping you on it. Something I've heard too in the last um, six months or so since like all the election stuff has been going on and different things in the world have unraveled with even just like the virus and everything. Uh, the world falling into despair um, of just feeling like, why would, you know, why would God let these things happen? Or why, why is the world going this direction? And we have people who are like, oh, the end of the world's coming soon, all these good things, which is always a very interesting conversation. But not to digress, again, I think it really can provide that comfort and that peace, being a sheep, being on the road right now, and knowing that we still have a shepherd, that the shepherd hasn't just left us alone here to just fall into despair with what's left of the world. That he, it's not like God in 2019 was like, all right, let's call it quits. They're on their own now. We still have a shepherd, but a lot of people I think are feeling as if we don't, um, or at least their emotional state right now is in a state of despair and in a state of lacking that. And I think that's just something that we have to be very careful with. And we have to be able to really address in ourselves if we are feeling that way, and we have to address and change that if that is the case. Um, but I think, again, it just brings us some sort of comfort knowing that all the craziness going on, all of the strife, all of the division, we still have God as a shepherd and he's still leading us through this, although it might be very confusing and very hard to fully see at the moment. Two things. Sorry, David, go ahead. Actually, I'll think about oh. what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say, Michael, that kind of, that kind of makes me think of like, if you are, if, if we're the sheep, right. And we're feeling lost, what can we do about it? Mm. I think the answer would be to, to listen for the shepherd and for his call and for his voice. And I know um, one of the priests of the Newman center, he led a reflection last year about seeing like that um, 
sheep sometimes like if shepherd would be moving his flock a lot of times if he was traveling he would like sheep would go in a pen with other sheep and then in the morning once the shepherd had rested he would get up and he would call for his sheep and because like his sheep know his voice like they wouldn't have to worry they wouldn't have to worry about him taking like the other shepherd's sheep if that make not to give a tongue twister but to think that like his like the sheep know his voice so well Mm-hmm. that they can just follow him so i kind of that's kind of like what you're thinking michael i can definitely relate to like sometimes like despairing um and i guess like the answer to that is like if you're not sure it's like listen for his voice and you have to be seeking it out yeah um i like that it's uh the two things i was thinking was um in relation to what you just said about knowing the knowing and listening to the voice um is that uh well i'll start with this one first so if we despair, it might be because there's an image of the shepherd where the shepherd is kind of like standing on top of the hill, kind of lording over his sheep, you know, just kind of watching, watching them and not really being with them. Cause that kind of like, if you're the sheep, you're looking at the shepherd and you're like, I don't really know that guy. And like, I don't know if he actually sees me or not. And you know, if he's actually like aware of what's going on in my life, does he know that like my patch of grass kind of sucks and I want a new patch of grass. Maybe he can lead me to a different one um, or that blade of grass over there looks really good. Maybe he can kind of like, you know, work that out for me. Um, so it might, we might seem, or we might see the, the shepherd as uh, distant and that can lead to despair when you think like, okay, I'm not known. But the other thing, David, in relation to your about, about knowing and hearing, the voice of the shepherd um, is Therese uh, often talks about looking at Jesus asleep in the boat in Mark's gospel, mentioning all the synoptic gospels. Um, but for, I think that to me, just kind of that humility of Therese and her, just her being a little child has always, she always strikes me as like, she's a little sheep, you know, she's small and whatever she does her thing, but she knows that she's loved. Like that's the key there is like she knows deeply that she is loved. And like, I, for me, that's why I have such a deep attraction to her because she just knows so deeply that she's loved and she has such great freedom just to rest there. Like the, the psalmist says that like, you know, you can sit uh, by these restful still waters and have your soul restored. Um, and so I think for us, it's like a matter of being close to the Lord as the sheep, trusting that he's actually among us and he's present to each sheep. And that he does love us and that we are loved. Like that's the, that's the key to fighting that despair, Michael, that you're talking about. It's just coming to know more and more that I am loved by the shepherd and that I can just rest next to him. I don't have to do anything. I can just be there present with him as best I can. Direct evidence of that love too. And this goes back into like going to actually the scriptures of it is an image that was actually Father Brokaw. If you guys, I know you two, I think are both familiar with him uh, out of Champagne. His card when he was uh, ordained a priest was actually the image of the lost sheep and reaching down, the shepherd reaching down and grabbing the lost sheep. If you're familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that image in itself, and I, remember, I can't remember the exact scripture perfectly, but it, it, essentially it's that would the shepherd not go seek would he not leave the 99 to seek for that one lost sheep? Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's that exact example of one, the personal love and the personal knowledge of each and every single one of his flock, yeah. where I think sometimes again, we get lost in this group mentality of, Oh, he knows the general flock. Cause he looks down upon it and sees it as a whole. 
but does he know each single sheep individually? And that in itself, I think is good reassurance of saying, yes, he actually does know each sheep individually. And, yeah, and it's also, also aware of their desires and what they yeah. need. Yeah. And like to, to sit with like before this, we were talking about like the heart of Jesus, but I think in, in this circumstance, it's about knowing the, the gaze of, of Christ, like to be looked at by him, like, even amongst that flock, right? Like you might not necessarily like get to like uh, in every moment, feel like you're cuddled up next to him and he's like petting your head or something, but rather like when he's out and among the others that you know that you are seen by him and you can see his gaze on you um, at all times. I think that's like really trying to, to hone in on, on being seen by the Lord and like really imagining like his eyes upon you. And like, what is that like to be seen by him? Um, it might draw out feelings of shame or, or fear or whatever. Um, but that's something to, think to, to bring to him and to not run away from, but to allow yourself to really be seen and to experience the, the shepherd's care. I can definitely personally relate to that of sometimes when you're like kind of on that like spiritual high and you feel really loved and close to the Lord, like it's so yeah. great and everything seems so simple. And then maybe something happens to shake your faith. It could even be something like very small. Yeah. And I kind of have like the image that you're talking about, John, of like, yeah, maybe the shepherd has like turned around or he's like doing something else and he still knows and he still loves you and he still can see you. But sometimes we might be like, Oh, he, he's not, like he's not present. If I don't, if I'm not right next to him, if I don't feel him, he's not there and he doesn't still have that same attention, same love. And I know that's something I think is like very easy um, to fall into and can be like shook very easily that, yeah, if we don't feel that necessarily, then yeah, our, our faith in the shepherd can, can be lost. And yeah, that's something I kind of been thinking about is to maybe not rely on while those feelings are great to maybe not rely on them as much and to instead maybe rely on the knowledge of his love because he has proven it again and again, as we've seen. Something to consider there too, David, which kind of reminds me of, we talked about this earlier um, of the example of God kind of providing an answer for me that I really needed when I had some doubt going on after a conversation, but truly not necessarily feeling this need to always, you know, like you just said, John being right next to the shepherd, of him petting our head, having this very incredible experience of intimacy, mm -hmm. um, although we have the intimacy offered to us, but truly taking note of those memories and cherishing yeah. those memories with the shepherd. Kind of like you said, David, how in oftentimes like in everyday life, we can feel as though we don't have that connection. We don't have that personal relationship. But like you also said, there was all of these examples in your life that have proven that this love is personal. You can look back in your life and have these examples that you go to of the personal love of uh, the shepherd, the personal care, protection, all of these things, the providence. And again, we should be filling our mind in those times of despair with those memories and allowing those memories to satiate that thirst that we have for intimacy with him and knowing that we haven't been abandoned, that we haven't been forgotten about and remind us that that love has been given and will once more be given in the future. And that's something that I've been trying to do more in my prayer of when I do feel frustration or I, I feel, um, anxiety about that relationship, looking back on those memories and saying, oh, remember this one moment in prayer where I felt that intimate love or this conversation I had with someone that really just fulfilled that desire and that need that I had, looking at the providential love of the shepherd and the providential love of God and seeing that and cherishing those memories. It's something that's gotten me through a lot of those times where the temptation is to fall into despair and fall into this idea that 
you have a very impersonal relationship with the shepherd. It's interesting to bring up the, like, the everydayness of that experience. That it's ever like, it's the everydayness of um, an ordinariness of that knowledge and those, like those memories where it's not going to be this big, this big thing. Cause it's like, yeah, it is, it is pretty like ordinary. It's not going to be this big deal. Um, I think for me, it's like, it's seeing that other people like in the flock are, are receiving it. Cause like, that's a source of great joy as it should be. Like if we're the church, we should be able to take great joy in like Christ coming to others and being present to them. And like, in different ways than he is to me. Like I, I might be that sheep on the side watching Jesus pet that other sheep's head. Who's in need of it at that moment. And I could become bitter or resentful of that other sheep being like, why does he get it? You know, why does she get it? That's ridiculous. Um, like I need that right now. It's like, no, you don't, you're fine. Um, and that that's what Paul is talking about with like in, in the body of Christ, like we rejoice in the joys of others and we suffer together as well. Um, so that we can draw attention to what's in need and then offer intercession and prayer and mutual help um, in that. So like, it's hard not to get like really caught up in yourself as part of the flock, but as being part of a flock, um, especially like in the world that we live in today, like to really uh, be attentive to the others in our life and know that like we are part of the church and it's not just like us on our own versus everyone else um, in a crazy world. It's like, no, like the church is the, is the sanctuary that we have on earth to be a part of and to share in those joys and to encounter the shepherd and to be close to him. Um, like that's where we find it first and foremost. I think of like a hierarchical, um, system with this too. Oftentimes Ooh, trigger, I, trigger word. Oh, I know, but <laughs> still, hierarchy. I know, trust me, I'm going to get to the point. I know it's not a good choice of words, but I'm, I'm sticking <laughs> with it for the time being. And I think it'll, I think it'll play out well in the end. Essentially when we see other people, receiving that intimate relationship. Like you said, there's kind of two reactions. One, you can rejoice in that and be very happy for their experience. Or two, you can be like, uh, what the heck? What about me? What, where's, where's my turn? What I meant by the system is if the shepherd is, if God is intimate and personal with one sheep and is capable of having that relationship with one sheep, therefore he must be capable and able to have that personal relationship with all of the sheep. That is more what I'm trying to say. Not, I don't want to get stuck on the word hierarchy, but I mean, if it can happen for one, there is no reasonable explanation on, on why it couldn't and also why it wouldn't yeah. happen to the rest of the sheep. And so we can rest assured that if we see that with someone else, we see them experiencing that, we can stay faithful as the sheep, knowing yeah. that the shepherd will come tend to us and that he yeah. is tending to us in those moments. Yeah. We think of a shepherd, a shepherd could be tending to one sheep, could be tending to his flock. And although he's tending to one, he might be focused on one, his eyes and his ears are still listening to the rest of the flock. It's not like he's with one and he forgets everyone. He's still listening to the concerns. He's still listening for a sheep being attacked. And he's still listening for, a or has a watchful eye seeing for that one sheep going away from the flock. And he's able to stop and go to that person and stop able to go and help that sheep and bring them back into the flock. And so that's more what I'm trying to say is, it's not the system of, oh, they get it and I don't. He doesn't care about all the sheep. He only cares about those special sheep. That's no, if he can, if he cares about one sheep, he cares about every single one. And it's proof that he does. Yeah. And we need not get jealous mm -hmm. of the others. Cause at least for me, like I need to continue to remind myself, there's not one right way. There's not one right thing. So it's like, if I see Jesus encountering another sheep differently than he's encountering me, that's okay. Like that's a constant reminder, I think for myself and maybe other people too, but like 
there is not one right way. Like my spiritual director has told me like, there are, are as many paths to God as there are people. Like, and that basically he's saying is like, God interacts and deals with people uniquely because each person is unique, unrepeatable instance of his love. It's like, okay, I need to remember that. Yeah. That, that's all I have on this topic, unless you guys have any other closing points. This really was just a fruit of my prayer about two weeks ago, and I wanted to discuss it with you guys on like the podcast. It. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I was just, I was just in deep reflection on what you guys were saying. And no, I, I totally agree. I think, I think sometimes we can be um, swayed so easily something even as simple as when you like kind of get over yourself and you look at like, wow, this is great seeing the Lord love this person. Um, It's kind of, it's kind of funny how sometimes we can make that about ourselves and we can find that for a reason for our faith to be swayed. When in reality, like, yeah, it's a great thing. And if anything, as you guys said, it's confidence that, um he yeah he's showing love to everyone and good news we're part of everyone so yeah definitely agree happy dance yeah party party um yeah that's that's all i have boys today so yeah well done oh thank you thank you well done to you guys as well and everyone yeah i guess that's a wrap up podcast for the day so thank you for listening as always please pray for us and all of our endeavors and we will be praying for you this is a fire alarm. No. You're so, in quarantine, John. I'm going to end this and go and take care of this. I have a feeling somebody uh, set the smoke out. Oh, maybe it's oh, done. It, Michael's one off. That's incredible. I think it was that somebody set the smoke detector smoke. off. Someone doesn't know how to cook. Dinner. Yeah, somebody Ooh, does not know how to cook. I it's definitely name, Michael. I will not name names. Oh, boy. Um, Michael. <laughs> either way, thank you guys for listening as always. And... Before we go, just two quick words. Uh, If you haven't checked it out already, please do go check out Covenant Eyes and their porn fighting software. If that's something you're looking into kicking, especially now as we prepare for Lent and use the code CATCH30 using the link in the description of this podcast as well. And you will get a 30-day free trial. And then lastly, go check out our buddies over at uh, Bishop Sheen Rosaries and get your high quality rosary that goes towards also supporting some very good efforts over in Uganda. But until next time. We will see you guys very, very soon. Thank you again for listening. Adios. See ya. John, say goodbye. He gone.